What's up, guys? It's Matt from the Hot Box Podcast. This is the first hour of the Helena, Montana Marijuana Growers Association conference. That thing I went to, we streamed it live and all that. Uh, this is the audio cleaned up. You can also go to uh, the Hotbox YouTube account and check out the video. I'll cut it up into 15-minute sections if you want to see the video, but I'm pretty sure most of you just want the audio anyway, so there you go. This is uh, Jim basically starting off the whole uh, weekend with you know what, what you're going to expect to hear more of, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Later. Each of the name badges, if someone is with the MMGA in terms of a uh, one of the board members, there should be a little green strip on the bottom, which I don't have one yet. Um, if it's yellow, it could be a legislator. Um, and I'll get into this in a couple minutes, but we've invited every legislative candidate to come to this forum today and tomorrow. Whether they come or not, m- most of them replied that they're out campaigning. It's going to be difficult for them to be here. But some said they will try and come for part of it. So if you see anybody with a little yellow thing at the bottom, little yellow strip, you want to ask them where they're from. They they might be your new legislator. Um, If it's blue, it's a vendor or a sponsor. And if it's red, it would be somebody from the press. And you always want to make sure you know who you're talking to. And, And we've invited everybody to come, frankly. We may have some people in the audience who are not in favor of medical cannabis, and that's okay. If you're not in favor of it, we still want you to be here, because we, what we want you to do is be able to hear another side of the story that perhaps you've not heard yet. If you're already involved as a patient or a caregiver, you have a lot of concerns about what's going on in the state right now. You know, what's going to happen with this new legislation? Well, we're going to give you some guidance today, at least in terms of what we as an association have been doing towards that end to make sure that the rights of the patient are not forgotten. Uh, a couple of other things. If you've not picked up a one of these at the front desk, um, these are our vendor tables, and the vendors are still coming in. Some are coming in from out of town, so over the course of the next day or so, uh, more tables will be set up up there. But we encourage you all to go up and have the vendors initial that you visited them then, put your name and address and phone number on the back, and these will be for door prizes. So all the completed forms, we will have a drawing on Monday afternoon for a number of different door prizes. So there's an incentive to try and do that. Speaking of of things that you might want to look at too, in the other breakout room and in the hallway, we've got a number of donations that have been made by different companies and individuals. And that's for a silent auction. So if you legibly write your name and the telephone number and the price that you would like to put down on a silent auction. And does everybody know how a silent auction works? In case you don't, let me explain it. First person puts down, they would like to buy this for, or get this for $20. The next person says, I can do better than that. I want to do it for 25. The third person, says I want to do it for 40 or whatever the numbers happen to be. There's some very good prizes. Look very closely at them. Um, there's, I think, ski boots. I believe it. Ed, what's the, what's the big prize? The pig? We do have a live pig <laughs> that actually somebody donated for us, and it will come dressed. You just have to pick the color too. What? It's in your room. Oh, it's in my room. <laughs> uh, we didn't bring her with us, though. Um, just her picture. So, um, what's a pig worth nowadays? I guess it depends on the size of the pig. Anybody know what a pig? Yeah. It's on a per ounce basis. It's a per ounce basis. <laughs> it goes per pound, yeah. So, so, if you can, please be generous with your thoughts. Um, we originally were going to charge for this seminar, and the board came back and said, you know what, if there's any way we can do it at no charge, it would be better because we want everybody to be able to come. But it does, we still have to pay for it. So um, if you'd like to make a donation, if you like what we're doing, we're up for that, certainly. Um, and, and participate in the silent auction, because I think there's some fun things there as well. 
The session itself, in the two days, is actually co-hosted by Montana Connect Magazine, and they've got a table outside. Heidi is the editor of Montana Connect, and would love to hear your thoughts on the magazine. If you've seen the first or second issue, the second issue has just come out. Um, and uh, so she's been a big part of helping bring Urban Rosenfeld to Montana, and so we thank her for that. If you take a look at the magazine and you'd like to subscribe, there are subscription sheets on the front table as well. Um, and the subscriptions are $24.95 a year, and it will get mailed to your house. So I want to make sure I mention that. In addition, we have a couple of other things. Uh, we have two surveys out there. There's a survey on orange paper for patients. So if you happen to be a patient, um, these are anonymous surveys too. So we don't want you to have your name on it, but we do want to know if you're a patient, for instance, are you satisfied with your caregiver? How many times have you changed caregivers in the last year? And just some general questions for you to, that help us as a, uh, the representatives of what we try to do is representing all patients and caregivers. We need feedback from you, which helps us guide our membership and the other caregivers in the state. There is also, though, a more lengthy one for caregivers. So if you're a caregiver, if you're not picked up one of these, we're really looking at one survey per organization. So if you're part of a company with three or four caregivers, then please fill out one, um, just so we get good, accurate numbers on our, on our uh, survey. There are these surveys. There's a box for surveys on the registration table. And these cards, there's a fishbowl upstairs in the uh, breakout room for, which is the Clark room. So unfortunately we didn't get everything in the same place. So upstairs in the Clark room, right up the spiral staircase, is where the uh, vendor booths are, the vendor tables are, and there's just a few there. Now there'll be more later on, as I said. But when you're done with it, drop it in the fishbowl in that room. I do need to mention that we do need to be aware that um, this is a no-smoking hotel, and the hotel has requested that if someone needs to smoke or medicate, that they would go 30 feet from the building, that is their, their hotel policy, that there's no smoking of any kind near the, near the building itself. So we'd ask that you respect that. We'd also ask that perhaps you not congregate as groups if you're medicating, because as we know, a lot of people have a problem with that, and we're going to talk about that in some of the sessions today in terms of how the public views those that are involved with medical cannabis. And I'm, I'm going to say this right now because I'm, I'm going to try and catch myself throughout the course of the day. Uh, what we're going to try, one of the things that Urban Rosenfeld, and hopefully you've been able to read a little bit about him, he's just a fascinating guy and you're, you're going to love hearing from him later on today and as well as this morning. Um, he has suggested that we try and change the way we talk about this. And instead of calling it marijuana, call it cannabis. Right? Marijuana is really a slang street name, and if we're going to address this as medicine, then we should be calling it cannabis. So I will slip up sometimes, and I will still call it marijuana because I'm not trained yet, but I'd ask you to think about that every time you hear it used in the context of what we're doing as cannabis rather than marijuana. Um, our tagline for, for this particular conference is no patient left behind. It is so critical. We have two patients, former patients, uh, in the state of Montana that have both lost their lives, um, referenced out in the, uh, by the res uh, registration desk. We'll be talking about that a little bit later today as well. But it's so important, this medicine is so important for people that need it, that we just have to make sure that it's available to them to where it's safe and, and where they can actually get it as well. A little bit about our purpose today. One of the things we found is that education is critical for this. And, and that's education not only for patients on how to medicate. I mean, many, many of us caregivers have patients who have never used medical, any type of cannabis or marijuana in their lives. But they may be at their later ages, their later stages of life. They may have cancer. They've never used this before, so they're using it for the first time. We need to educate them on how to use it. They want to because the pharmaceuticals just aren't working for them. We also want to educate physicians. We have two, two I, know, I don't know if Dr. Peugeot's here yet, but we have at least uh, Dr. Christensen here, who has been a very strong supporter of <coughs> medical cannabis in Montana. Uh, but 
the, there's only about 300 recommending phys physicians in the state. What we need to do is get more physicians to understand what medical cannabis is all about. And hopefully a session like this will help. Uh, we did, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we invited every single legislator that's running for either a legislative or judicial position to come. I will tell you that a number of them on both sides of the aisle, this is not a Republican or a Democratic you know, side of the issue. I mean, there's Tea Party members who are caregivers. There's a number of Republicans that are caregivers. There's Democrats that are caregivers. It doesn't really matter about the party. What it does matter is whoever's going to vote on this legislation in January knows what they're voting for. We have to make sure they know what they're voting for. Because if they don't, it's not going to be done right. So part of this session is to encourage them to come. Those that have replied to us and said, geez, I'm not going to be able to be there. I'm on the campaign trail. Can you please send me information? Absolutely, we will be doing that. We will also be taking portions of what's going to happen over these two days on the road. We're going to do a road show on that as well after the election. So it's our goal to make sure any legislator is informed. And so we encourage all of you here. And by the way, this is being podcast across. On, it's live on the Internet now. So I want you all to be aware of that. The cameras are all facing forward. So if you don't wish to be filmed, sit in the back because you could likely be picked up on film and broadcast throughout wherever um, it's broadcast to, all right? The one thing that we're not about here, I mean, there's a lot of talk among the medical cannabis community saying, well, if they just make it legal to be easier. And of course, there's the other side that's saying, well, if they just prohibit it totally, then we wouldn't have anything to worry about. Well, regardless of which camp you're in or which side you're on, that's not what we're about here right now. We're here as it looks, you know, as it's a medicine. If it becomes legal sometime, that's a whole different story. But that's not what we're about to do. We're about medical cannabis. All right, so I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Um, and it's really about the right of the patient. You know, patients have a right to have the medicine that, they, that will work for them. And we'll be getting into a lot of that stuff for the day. But the important thing is to make sure no patient's left behind. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the agenda. I just want to let you know that we're in both of these rooms, this room and over there. All of our functions are in these two rooms except for lunch and dinner, which will be across the hall. If you haven't gotten a meal ticket for lunch, we guaranteed 50 lunches, so hopefully some of you will consider eating lunch here if you haven't already gotten a ticket. And we guaranteed 100 dinners, so and we know a lot more people are coming to you know, dinner, so I just wanted to mention that as well. Um, lunches are at $20 and the dinner will be at $30. We were able to reduce the price on that as well. This morning session starts with a medical and scientific panel. Um, and then this afternoon we have two training seminars. One on testing medicine and the other one on customer service 101. And not going to take a lot out of the first session because we're going to spend a lot of time on that with the, uh, the doctors and uh, Dr. Palmer and Dr. Christensen. Um, the customer, the testing medicine, Clearly, the future of medicine and cannabis is having it tested. And so that, that's, going to, that's going to be a very important uh, breakout for people to attend. But so is customer service. There's a lot of people who have not had um, owned companies before who are now caregivers. <coughs> so we need to talk about everything from ethics to uh, just uh, uh, patient standard of care. There's a lot of different things that we all need to know about. You're going to find yourself wanting to participate in more than one breakout. You can feel free to go between the two of them. We'll leave the doors open. Um, you know, we'd like the, the hallway to be kept kind of quiet, though, so the sound doesn't come in, but we'll leave both doors open so you can kind of come and go. And, and, and we're trying to make this a very relaxed atmosphere. We don't think that any, there should be any stress about it. Just enjoy as much as you can about the conference. Uh, this afternoon, we have two more sessions. One is legal considerations um, that Chris Lindsay will be heading up and also delivery methods. There's a lot of other ways to medicate other than smoking it. And so we'll be spending a lot of time on that this afternoon. Uh, then we have at five o'clock a general session with Irvin Rosenfeld, which is absolutely gonna be fantastic. When you have a chance to talk to Irvin and you realize that he's been a federal marijuana patient for 28 years, a federal patient, federal marijuana patient for 28 years. How many of you even knew that there was a federal program a few hands. Most people had no idea. 
that there's a federal program and then Irvin gets medicine every month for 28 years. The federal oh. government ships him a tin. That was 28 years old. He's what? It's 28 years old. It's a 20. Well, he'll talk about the quality separately. <laughs> but I did want to mention we are going to have a drawing for one of those tins. Full of medicine. Empty. 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 You don't want that stuff anyway. You don't want it, no. Really? And Urban, when, when, we, when we get into this, Urban will explain to you why you don't want it. But, um, but I think he's very grateful, frankly, that he's been able to get it for the time that he has. And he, is, he has been one of the ultimate pioneers in this, and that's, he is one of the reasons we are all here today, because he pioneered it 28 years ago, and it's, it's a fascinating story. Um, and then tonight we'll have dinner, and now we heard Little Smokies might not make it, so this afternoon we're going to let you know if they made it or not. I heard they were going to have karaoke if they didn't. Well, maybe we'll do karaoke. I'm just putting that out there. All right. Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. This is important for, for Monday. We have a legislative panel. We have at least one representative and one senator appearing. Uh, do you know who that is? Uh, Mary Caffaro and Dave Lewis. Senator Dave Lewis. All right. I think you'll find it very interesting in that. And Tom Dobear will also be on that panel as well. Um, then in the, after that, we'll have... Two more breakouts, one on Agriculture 101. What's really exciting about this session is we actually have the Department of Agriculture coming to help us. Uh, we also have uh, uh, another breakout called Business Operations, um, and then lunch, and Business Planning 102. In the afternoon session tomorrow, we actually have people from the Department of Labor and Workers' Comp coming. So what's being recognized in the state of Montana is that as a professional organization and professional caregivers, because if you're a caregiver, you are now a professional because you have taken on that care of another person. And we get a lot of questions about, well, are you guys qualified to do that? You know, what training do you have? Well, this is part of the training. This is part of the training, what we're trying to accomplish over these two days. Um, and then we'll have another session tomorrow afternoon with a legal panel with nothing but attorneys. So that should be very interesting as well, and we'll be taking questions from the, from the group. I'm going to kind of run through this quick because I know we started late and we do have a full agenda. It's really full, so let me kind of go fairly quick. <laughs> I want, this, I want everybody to know, because there's been a lot of misunderstanding about the MMGA, the Montana Medical Growers Association, and what we're all about. Let me really clear up any confusion. We are for all of the patients and all of the caregivers. Not just big ones, not just small ones, but all of them. And our mission is to make sure that everybody gets protected to the best way they can and represent the entire group with whomever it is that we need to be represented to, whether it be law enforcement, legislative, um, or just in the community at large. So when there's issues that come up, some of our directors kind of scurry around the state to try and help solve problems before they get out of hand. I, I don't know if any of the directors are here, but I'm, I'm going to just call out their names so everybody knows who they are if you see their name. Uh, again, I'm Jim Gingery. Mark Sigler, is Mark here? I mean, I know there's a lot out at the table. He is our vice president, Robert Sims, is right here in the back. He's our education director. Uh, Chris Lindsay is our legal. He's a practicing attorney in the state. Where's Chris? Well, you all see him. He'll be on, uh, he's running one of the panels. And Brandon Tillett, which I misspelled his last name. It's only one T, sorry, Brandon. Um, and uh, he's our science chair. He's running two of the breakouts that are more science oriented. When we formed the association, we decided what we would do is, in addition to having directors that are kind of at large representing the whole association, We'd also let, each time we opened a new chapter, they would become, the chapter director would sit on our board of directors. So we have Rose, Ron Rosenthal. Ron, are you here? He's out of the table. He's out of the table. Uh, Grant Grenfell from Great Falls. He's out of the table. Uh, Charlie Galliard, I think he's outside. Ed Doctor. I better get out. You better get out. Go ahead. Stand up, Ed. Um, and by the way, Ed, what, what were you just in, what paper? What? Flathead you, beacon. The Flathead Beacon. 
uh, it was fascinating. He got a great story because some of the newspapers are actually understanding what we're doing. For a long time, we got nothing but bad press because there was a lot of bad stuff going on. But without a lot of bad stuff going on and they want to write about it, they've got to write about good stuff. And so, Ed, thank you. You've been great as far as getting good press. James Haney is our chapter director in Billings, and Taylor Lang had another commitment. He's on his way up here. He'll be here shortly. Uh, we are opening a chapter in Butte, and we are also opening a chapter in the Bitterroot. We've been asked to also open up a chapter in the northeastern part of the state, which will be the next one that we do. So please, in the program, it should have the email addresses of the different chapter directors. If you do not go to a chapter meeting now, send a note to the, to the chapter director and say, when's your next meeting? We also have that information on the website, which is getting better. We're not where we want to be with the website, but it's, it's better than it was. And Facebook. We're on Facebook as well. So we would definitely like to have you as a friend on Facebook. Um, briefly on the history. We're not that old of an organization. We started in September of 2009 when about 40 caregivers got to, patients got together in Bozeman and said, you know, this business is going to be different in the, year, in the years ahead. And that particularly after Obama <coughs> gave direction to let, let the medical states alone. So we said, what are we going to do? Well, let's, we're going to need some kind of an organization. So we, we developed a 501c5 trade association. That's what we are, we're a trade association, so that there's no confusion. Um, we came up with a mission, objectives, bylaws, registered as a, as a nonprofit, and by November had our first public meeting, and then in January, with the help of Montana Botanical Analysis in Bozeman, um, they had arranged to bring out a speaker, uh, Arnold Hayskamp, who was one of the foremost research experts on medical cannabis. And so they allowed us to use him at our session as well, and Noel, we thank you for that opportunity. What we've done since then, though, we have, we, you know, that was after the first couple of months, we've been very active at the state level with the Children, Family, Health, and Human Services Interim Committee. So you all understand, you hear a lot about a law being written and the law is changing tomorrow. The law is not changing tomorrow. All right? The, you have to understand the process of how it works. Since our legislature only meets for four months at any given time, you know, in the time when it's not in session, they have interim committees to handle issues that come up. And over the summer, the interim committee for the Children, Family, Health, and Human Services, which oversees medical and thus cannabis, um, at a meeting in May, and a number of us testified at that, and out of that they decided that a group, they needed a smaller group of stakeholders, of people who had an interest in this, and I'll get to that in just a second, um, but we were a part of that as well, and I'm going to go into who else was involved with that, but we've also been very involved with city ordinances. Uh, we worked very closely with Bozeman on their ordinance, and I will tell you we don't agree with everything that's in it but we are able to live with it. There are some cities that have put in ordinances or prohibitions that we can't live with. They're wrong, and we need to get them changed, and we're working actively to do that. But what we want people, what we want any city to look at is look at Bozeman as a model. Use it as a template. And one of the reasons is we started working with them before it became an issue. And we just couldn't get around this. It's a big state. We couldn't get around to all the other cities before problems or perceived problems arose. But we will be going back to all of the cities who have put a, a crimp in the ability of patients to get their medicine in those cities to try and help where we can. That's what we're about. I do want to talk about our membership levels. Hopefully when you signed in, you were asked whether or not you were a member of the MMGA. We are open to everybody. If you are a patient, you have two options. You can get a patient membership, which is free. Um, but you will not be, eventually we'll be offering grow tips and things for members who are legal growers. That doesn't occur yet on the website. It will probably in the next three or four months where the patients only that have just the free membership, we have to restrict it because we don't know who's growing and who's not. Uh, but for a growers membership is 50 and that gets you more information on the website. And voting rights, that's right. If you want to vote, for officers in the MMGA, you do need to be a paying member. 
That's just the way the way the way it's set up. Um, we do have another membership level called the business level membership for caregivers, and that's at the $150 level. Everybody goes, well, what do I get for that? Well, first of all, a big thank you, because it takes money to do what we're doing, and we ask that the bigger caregivers contribute a little bit more. But in addition, we've got other things planned for that. For instance, the tables, if, if somebody is not a member at all, you know, a vendor table is $300. If they're a member of the MMGA, it's $150. So it's cheaper as we have other events and stuff if you're a business level member. But you know what, we, we found a lot of people wanted to participate, but they're not either a caregiver or a patient. How can, how can I help? How can I be informed? How do I get on your mailing list so I make sure I get information? Well, if you're not a caregiver or a patient, you can sign up as an affiliate member. And that's $50. And an executive affiliate is $150. And those are generally companies that, you know, wish to, they will have insurance companies, or just a whole bunch of different, different types of companies that will offer services to this industry. Um, and so those are generally the $150. If you've already registered and you didn't do that, feel free to pick up another form out there and just, at another point in time, drop it up, and we'd be happy to take your membership and make sure that you get all the information. Yes, sir. Yes, it is. It's yearly. All right, a little bit about the Children's Family Health and Human Services Interim Committee. Who was all involved in this? Because it's very important to understand that a lot of work on the issues that we are getting hit with by people who are, are, are not in favor of medical cannabis, as well as uh, by cities, you know, I said, I was at the Billing City Council meeting. There's a lot of bad information out there. There's a lot of wrong, inaccurate information being given to people. And then other people take that as fact. And so, again, hopefully over these two days we can dispel some of those rumors. Um, but we had law enforcement. We had uh, Detective Brinkman, for example, from Great Falls. We had uh, Greg Sullivan, the city attorney in Bozeman, sat on the, on the group. We had a number of different people. The Medical Board of Examiners came and, and contributed to it. Department of Education, the Department of Agriculture, and of course, licensed caregivers. So we all sat around in a group and talked about the problems and said, what can we do to solve the problems? And we actually came up with a relatively good consensus of the group and said, it was almost like a little horse trading. Said, well, okay, we don't really like that, but how about if we do this? How about would this work for you, law enforcement? If we track the medicine, we understand that you're worried about the black market, but if we actually track the medicine and we knew where it was going and it was transparent, I mean, as long as we're a Schedule One drug, we need to make sure that we're following those rules. And they came back and said, yes, that would work. So when we get into, and we've made a number of recommendations on exactly what the legislature should do. The proposed bill itself, these are some of the things that are in the proposed bill. Now, how the proposed bill works, out of this interim committee that spent the summer working on this, they said, you know what, when the new legislative session starts in January, we should have at least some form of a consensus bill that, that this committee has come up with. Well, nobody on the committee liked everything in the bill. So I don't know that it's a consensus bill. I think it's the closest thing that they could come to, to a consensus. In fact, some of the people on the committee said there's some of the stuff in this bill that they would absolutely not vote for if it was brought to the floor. So what will happen in January after the new legislature, after the election, is this bill will get brought forward along with anywhere from one to a hundred other bills. There will probably be a bill to repeal medical cannabis submitted by some legislators. There will likely be a bill to legalize cannabis by some legislators. Truthfully, where we're going to end up is in the middle someplace. And so it's important that we all work together to make sure that we're in the right place at the end of the day. Um, and then just real quick, establishing a regulatory system. All right, that was, that's in the proposed bill. Allow, allowing the creation of medical dispensaries, because right now, there's nothing in the law that says that a storefront can exist, even though there are storefronts in all the cities. There's nothing specifically saying that it can exist. Um, the bill calls for placing a ceiling on the amount of cannabis that could be sold to a patient in a given period of time. Right now, the law says one ounce per transaction. The problem is, 
Not everybody follows the intent of the rules, and that's what the legal panel is going to talk about this, is we've had patients, believe it or not, that have gone in multiple times in the day to get their one ounce. And they probably may not be consuming it all themselves, and that we have to stop. We just have to stop. We can't. But, the, but because that's happened, and they know it's happened, because it's been undercover law enforcement that's gone in and gotten it, all right? We can't say it doesn't exist. It does exist. It does exist. Caregivers selling too much product at the same time. How do we know that? Because they've sold it to undercover agents. And by the way, just for the record, undercover agents don't mean, does not mean that they don't have a medical ID or a medical card. They could have a medical card. They are going to ask you to do something you should not do. We suggest strongly you don't do it if you're not supposed to do it. Because you don't know who's who. And so the best thing to do is to be safe and do it the right way. Um, they've also required... They've also... Um, we're, we're going to require... Uh, Patients be Montana citizens. And I'm, we're going to get into one of these things we disagree with. I mean, I'd like to just tell you right now, but I don't know. I mean, it's insane. I mean, we have a lot of cancer patients that come into Billings out of Wyoming for treatment. Why should they not be able to have their medicine when they're in the state? Yes, they can't take it home. We understand that. They understand that. But if they're going through the chemotherapy, they need it now. And they should be able to get it. So that's obviously one we're against. As we are with the limit to five patients. You've heard this. It, there's absolutely no support for that out of the medical cannabis community. None. Especially the Montana Medical Growers Association. We think the structure we have right now with caregivers and the way we deal with patients is very similar to the way it should be. Not one or two, three large growers. Not one, two or three large caregivers. No. And, and, and what you'll hear in the agricultural breakout is why there will never be a state farm in Montana. There can't be. It won't work. There's a, there's a new mite out called a hemp mite that is only affects hemp and cannabis plants. It's the only thing it affects, and there's no cure for it right now. One university said if you have a problem, what you need to do, find a new location. Now imagine if there was a state farm and the entire state farm was lost. That's why you can't do it. This is not about big farms. Not the cannabis. Hemp, yes, big farms. Cannabis, no. One of the big issues that we've heard about is the standard of care that the physicians offer. And, and the medical board has come up and tightened their standard of care, but they were considering putting into the legislation something that even tightened it harder, telling a physician how to do their job. Well. I don't know, it's my opinion that the physicians have gone through quite a bit of education. Whether they're educated on medical cannabis or not, probably they're not. You know why? Because we don't have pharmaceutical reps going in presenting to them. You know, that's why they don't know about it, which is what we're going to try and do, is have seminars for physicians so they actually understand what this is all about. Then this one, we don't really have a problem. No financial relationship between the physicians and the caregivers. We know a lot of caregivers have put... Uh, physicians in their locations to help the patients along, but as this grows and more and more physicians are willing to recommend, we're not going to want to be doing that anymore. We're going to want it separate. So you have to make sure there's no conflict of interest because a patient should be able to choose whatever caregiver they want, not just because they got their license from the physician that happened to be working out of that office. They, they wanted to add in the bill prohibiting the use of cannabis in public. Well, I think Irvin's going to talk about usage of the medicine in public. And it's tough to regulate uh, common sense. doesn't work. can't regulate common sense. But that's really what we want to talk about. And Irvin, I'm going to, I'll let him address that now. Um, we're obviously against this, but repealing um, the affirmative defense. Right now, the affirmative defense has really protected patients. And maybe at some point in time, we can look at, at that not being part of the, the legal uh, bill, but for right now, it still needs to be part of the bill in our opinion. And the thing we totally disagree with is, again, because chronic pain, so many patients now have chronic pain. Anybody here? Yeah, almost everybody. Well, 
It's estimated by the pharmaceutical companies that 25% of the population has chronic pain. And I've got a slide on that in a couple of minutes. But because so many people were getting their licenses, you know, that they, they said, well, instead of having one physician, why don't we have a pain specialist? You know, because other states are doing things like this. Other states are doing some really crazy things. Why? Because they let it get out of control and they're trying to bring it back in. And they don't know how to do it. And they keep changing the laws like all the time. Well, maybe this will work. Well, maybe this will work. Well, that's why one of the things that we're going to say in a couple of minutes is we don't want to follow what any other state is doing. Montana's unique. The people of Montana are unique. And we don't want to be any other state. So well, here's things we've actually recommended to the interim committee. And this stuff is on our website. And actually, it's on the, on the, um, the uh, interim committee's website as well. All this information was submitted, and I'm sure some of the committee read it. But we issued a whole issues and solutions position paper. We said, here's the problem, here's the solution, here's why you should do it this way. Black and white. And, and, and by the way, we took our best shot at it. So when you go on our website, you look at this, if you've got comments about it, you say, geez, I don't like, that doesn't make sense. Ask us why we decided that would work, we thought, best for the industry. And we're always open for new ideas. We don't think we have all the answers by any means. Um, we proposed a licensing board because we came out of that work group session. And they said, geez, you know what? You really, we know that DPHHS can't handle this. And quite frankly, we're very disappointed because we invited DPHHS to come today and tomorrow and participate in this since they do our licensing. And they were told they couldn't, as I understand so we're disappointed they're not here. We wish they were here. We do wish they were here. But we will likely not be governed as caregivers under that board anymore. We will likely be someplace else. The question is, will we be under the Department of Treasury, or, or Finance, uh, Agriculture, uh, Revenue, it's Revenue, Commerce, and Commerce. Well, we think we belong in it. We're an agricultural product. We believe we belong in agriculture. And in that licensing board, by the way, and the recommendation we made included caregivers of all sizes. It included patients, patients who are caregivers, individual public who is neither patient nor caregiver, law enforcement. I mean, there's a very comprehensive plan put together. So in terms of what a licensing board looked like, will it look like that? I don't know. I don't make those decisions. None of us do. But the people we vote for do make those decisions. And any candidate that you talk to needs to know what's already been presented to the interim committee so that they have some education about what's going on. Um, we also think terminology needs to be changed. One of the things that we've talked, we, I just talked about the difference between cannabis and marijuana, and there's concern about when people, we call ourselves caregivers. You know, are we really providers? Well, you know, many caregivers do provide extensive care for their patients. You know, really one-on-one. -on -one which most people don't understand that many caregivers do do that. So by changing terminology, we think we can clear up some confusion, I guess. Uh, we shared with them the cannabis life cycle, plant chemistry, so that they can begin to understand what the cannabis plant is all about. And what you're gonna hear this morning shortly is even more information about that from Dr. Palmer. Um, and, and one of the other things is caregiver ethics and the standard of care. One of the concerns at the first meeting in May of 2010 with the um, interim committee was, well, do you guys even have any ethics? Well, <laughs> quite honestly, and some people go, you know what, I don't, I don't need to take a course in ethics. I mean, I understand what right and wrong is. I understand how to do things. But I will tell you, there's not probably one licensed group in the state that is not required to take ethics as part of their continuing education. So we don't actually have continuing education credits for these seminars, but that's what we're hoping to get to, where we will actually have them certified classes by the licensing board, whoever we belong to, hopefully the agriculture, that will allow us to run these classes and give continuing ed credits 
and which will likely be as part of our requirement to get our licenses. It's just probably the way it's going to be, like any other professional group that's licensed. And again, the caregiver ethics and standard of care is going to be handled in one of the work groups. We made a commitment to the interim committee in, in, the, in the middle of the summer. We said, you know what? All this stuff we're feeding you to, to consider before you come up with a bill, we are going to put on a seminar before the end of the year that's going to cover almost all of these topics in one way or the other. And that's really one of the big purposes of why we're here today is to fulfill that commitment. We're serious about this as an industry. We need to be serious about it as individuals participating in this industry. We, as an association, we agree. Some reasonable regulation makes sense. You know, tracking. Okay, let's make it reasonable and, and so that it's transparent. We want to make sure that the black market goes away. Why? Because we want it grown in Montana. We want it grown in Montana. And the only way to make sure that happens is with some type of tracking system. And we don't really know what it'll look like, but we're hoping to, to be part of the decision process on what that looks like. Um, we think that the caregivers need an ability to provide uninterrupted supply of medicine to their patients. And in a word, it's a caregiver-to-caregiver -caregiver exchange. There's a lot of confusion about that across the state. Some counties it's good, some counties it's not good. So when you get to the legal side, you talk to Chris, you know, one of the breakouts, well, is this legal or not? Well, it depends where you live, which is really crazy. You know, so clearly it's got to be uniform across the state. It has to be. But this is something that's critical, again, with the whole issue of losing an entire crop. I'm aware of one grower in Billings that lost 200 plants to this new mite. His entire crop got wiped out. And it wasn't through carelessness. You know, and in the agricultural breakout, they're going to talk about how you need to protect your grows and how you have to protect when you trade a clone, you give a clone to somebody else, what that means, what, what could be going with that clone. Um, we're also supportive of modifying uh, the definitions on medibles. So, because right now, they consider a one-ounce brownie one ounce of medicine. We all know that that makes no sense. you know. And when we get into the testing side of it, you'll be hearing about how those are dose controlled now. They've actually got how many milligrams of THC are in the cookie, in the brownie, whatever it happens to be. But it's not just ingestible products, it's also salves. And um, uh, you know, there's a great cream out now that if you have psoriasis, you can clear it up in about a week. It re this stuff really does work. So unfortunately, those are, you know, the psoriasis is a positive unintended consequence of the medicine. I think that's what we find. You know, we have so many conditions that we're approved for to get your license. But those people have other conditions too many times. It's not just those conditions that this medicine actually helps them with. And so that's why there's a lot of other products available now. Uh, we don't think there should be any limit on the number of patients that a caregiver has. Because if a caregiver takes on too many patients and they can't provide the service to the patients that those patients need, what will they do? They will switch caregivers. Let the marketplace decide. You know, that's really the only way to do it fairly. There shouldn't be one caregiver allowed in one city, you know, where he has a monopoly on it. We're against monopolies. We want this to be an open, free-range um, situation. And also, no limit on the number of caregivers. Um, I've got some caregiver numbers which I'll share with you in a couple of minutes. Um, here's what we do disagree with that's in the proposed bill. We disagree with two physicians for chronic pain. Right now, there's not enough physicians in the state to make the recommendations anyway, let alone to find a second one. Now, if all physicians were required to live up to their standard of care in providing the patient all of the alternatives available, then we wouldn't have this issue. And maybe there could be two. But for right now, there's just not enough docs recommended. And so, and there's no reason for it. You know, and I, I'll be, this will be an interesting question for our doctors on the panel is, how do you feel about your professionalism being questioned in that you're not qualified to recommend a pain management system to your patients? We're against the prohibition of out-of-state patients. We're against the limiting number of patients. 
we're against the elimination of affirmative defense, the limitation of medicine within reason. And when I say that, I said, if we're going to stop the black market and we're going to stop people getting the medicine who are not legally allowed to have it, which is our obligation, when you accept being a caregiver, you're, you're obligating yourself to do it right. That means you give it to the people who are on the back of your car or you're on the back of their car. Uh, that's who you serve. You don't serve people who are not your patients and clearly people who are not a patient at all. So there'll be some limit. What's a reasonable amount? You know what? We may have time to talk about that at some time. Is it an ounce a day? Is it an ounce a week? There's a lot of caregivers limit patients to an ounce a week, with exceptions. Somebody really has a chronic problem, they're right at that threshold where they need more. They may need more. It all depends on the circumstances. And the law should reflect the ability to determine on an individual basis what's right and wrong for an individual patient. And, and clearly, we're against basing a Montana law on any other state. There's no other state like Montana. We need to have our own. All right, there's a lot of rumors. I've just got a couple more minutes and then I'll wrap up. Um, just, here's some of the rumors we hear out there. I'm not going to address all of them right here, but I'm going to talk about, you're going to hear about the rest of them during the breakouts. Kids, kids in school. My God, everybody's getting their medical card in school. Okay, that's one rumor. I just heard it in Billings again. They said, everybody's talking at the lunch table about how they got their car. Okay, let's find out how true that is. Um, caregivers are running rampant. There's no control on them. Well, when you hear what's going on by the caregivers that are making these presentations, and by the way, the Growers Association is made up of caregivers and patients. We are all caregivers. We are all patients. We all donate our time. There's no salaries anywhere. But we spend a lot of time on this because we believe in what it's about. Um, there's a rumor we hear all the time there's no real science behind cannabis you know too many patients with chronic pain are getting their licenses God, could there be that many people in the state with chronic pain unqualified people getting their licenses you know what I'm going to have to agree there probably have been some people that were not qualified that got their license why did they get their license? Because somebody wasn't doing their job. It was either the physician not doing their standard of care or people putting on clinics trying to get people in and just run the numbers through. And so we have to make sure that when clinics are run, that only the patients that are qualified are actually getting the license. Uh, and also, really, I mean, this is, people say, well, caregivers, they just, they're just drug dealers. They just want to push that product out. How many of you are caregivers in the state? In the good, good, good number. And out of this group, how many of you spend with, with, with one of your patients more than five or six minutes when you're consulting with them? Again, most everybody. Because you know what? You're professionals. Thank you. Uh, real quick. Um, people unqualified getting their licenses, you know what? The reason why the traveling clinics started, which by the way was a very good thing, having the clinics, because there weren't enough physicians recommending in the state, it was very important that physicians be made available. Unfortunately, when it got to be advertised that no medical records, five minutes is too long for a doctor's appointment, just come on down, that's where it went south. It was good until then, but that's where it went south, because then the physicians couldn't do their standard of care. They couldn't make sure that it was a qualified patient at least some of them that were participating. Um, but the good news is that the Medical Board of Examiners has put out a new standard of care for their physicians. And you know what? Since they did that, the number of patients every month is now more down to a reasonable growth number. It's not a five, 600 in a week or in a day. So is the rush over? I don't know that the rush is over. I think there's still a lot of people out there that want to get their license but still can't get to a doctor that maybe still afraid to. Um, you know, I know Herb's going to talk a little bit about cannabis in the workplace. A lot of people are afraid. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues that go with this. Um, caregivers out of control. Well, first of all, this is pretty interesting. Only 2% of the caregivers have over 41 patients. Most of the caregivers have three or less patients. So whenever the legislator, legislature is talking about regulating caregivers, who, is it, is it Joe that takes care of Mary at home, his wife? 
You know, what, is he, what, are they, what are they trying to regulate that goes on in the House? We need to be very specific with any type of legislation on, what we're, on who we're regulating. But again, only 2% of the caregivers have more than 41 patients. Yeah, only 44 cardholders statewide, 18 years or under. Now, you know, I was at one city council meeting and they said, why would anybody under the age of 18 ever need something like this? And you know what? what the, our answer was simply, well, you know, cancer doesn't really wait till you're 18 necessarily, um, as with other medical conditions. And when you hear Urban's story a little bit later, and the age in which he was diagnosed with his medical condition, he should have been able to have it when he was 10 years old. Oh, the other thing is, only kids are getting their licenses. Well, the average age is 41. There's now, I think, six or seven patients over the age of 90. All right? So this is not kids. Now, granted, we had a lot of people in the 20 to 30 age range, and that's why they were freaking out over this. Well, you know what? I think a good question for our medical panel is, why would those 20 to 30 oats have more? Because you know what? They're active in a different way than we were. They live a different life than we lived when we were that age. So they do have more injuries, you know, and more reasons on why they may need it. Uh, oh, yeah, this is the fun one. You know, the pharmaceutical companies say about 25% of the population has chronic pain. We are still at 1.6% of the patients in the state have chronic pain listed as their medical condition. Really? What? How can that be? 1.6. We have 16,000 out of a million. No, we have 16% of the residents who have a card for any reason. It's chronic pain out of No, the 16,000 is chronic pain. Oh, okay. The 16,000 and 500 and something like that are currently on the rolls as of October 1st as being listed under chronic pain. Or other. Or, or with other. Conditions. With other conditions, yes, with other conditions. Thank you. Okay, and, so one point, just to reiterate. 1.6% of Montana residents that are registered as patients, medical marijuana. No, no. Okay. A, a population of a million. Okay, so 16,000 with that have that as an item on their on their license. That is just a, those numbers. Said differently, we have about one twentieth of the number of patients that deserve to be certified. For chronic pain based on a statistical argument. Okay, okay, got it. Thank got you. it. Better said. <laughs>